The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of myself and my guests and do not reflect those of the Walt Disney Company or anyone else's employers. Guys, hurry, get in! Aw, Kevin, we've got this. Robot Punch! Stronger than an army of robots, smaller than a drain pipe. And faster than lightning from a supercharged cowboy. Did you hire them to distract me, Clyde? It's Hamster and Gretel! But what can I do? From a creator of Phineas and Ferb. It is so on. Comes the most unexpected new series. I've got nine wives! <gasps> you have nine wives? I knew it. Humanity's only hope is Super Gretel! We're saved! Hi, my name is Gretel, this is my hamster, Hamster, and we'll be taking you to jail today! But what can I do? Hero Hamster! I don't have any secrets. And Kevin. In a related story, a scrawny 16-year-old boy is using his tiny muscles and not helping in any way whatsoever. Watch Hamster and Gretel on Disney Channel. I bet I'm indestructible! We are not testing that out. Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast without a cool acronym. The podcast where we review Disney television animation shows. I'm your host, Chandler Darroshay. Joining me on the podcast today via Discord. That's right, we're switching things up. We're recording with Discord now. Uh, we got David Gansel. I fear Discord, but I'm here anyway. <laughs> Scott Sandler. There's a cold and there's a broken Lassiboya. We got Zach Stewart of the Crossover Nexus, a.k.a. Iron Ninja. I wanted to think of a funny tagline, but now I forgot it. And joining us on the podcast for the very first time, you know here from the Twitter handle, at OffCadence18, ladies and gentlemen, Cadence! Hello. Hello. I got my MWCA and I'm repping. Yay, MWCA. (laughs) All right. Um, So today, of course, we are here to talk about um, Hamster and Gretel, which just came out, the first five episodes are on Disney+. Plus. Um, so just like how I covered the Ghost and Molly McGee, we're going to go through the whole series so far, the first five episodes. Yes. Yeah, It. I think we should probably start by um, talking about kind of... Um, so this show, of course, it was... Uh, when when was it actually announced? I know it was like probably about a year and a half ago that it actually got announced. It is unfair to ask anyone to remember anything regarding the passage of time in this day and age. That's true. Actually, no. I, and okay, I know it was twenty twenty one, and you know how I know that is because I know it was after Candace Against the Universe came out. Uh, Musical without a cool acronym had like the the record for the first um, the first Gretel cosplay. <laughs> in anything so um i know it was definitely 2021 but yeah as as dave said it's unfair to ask anyone questions about the passage of time anymore (laughs) um but so when the from the moment the show was announced i think there was kind of a a sort of a weird backlash against it because i think um because dan of course has been very active on tiktok and so he showed the little not even really a sneak peek of the show as there was like there wasn't any finished animation or anything it was just you know the concept art and people were like you know complaining about the character designs and and how they look kind of off um and it seems like that kind of continued as more and more stuff actually came out about the show 
Yeah, I can I can kind of I, I I will say I was kind of feeling that as well. I never said anything about the show uh, when I saw any of the concept art and stuff, but like when I saw it, it just something about it just didn't feel like exact. I don't know how to like say it. It just didn't feel perfect to me. I don't know. Yeah, I I can't really pinpoint why. I'm not sure why cuz I I never really saw an issue with it. I mean, I also didn't really see an issue with the animation in uh, Candace Against the Universe that a lot more people seem to have an issue with. So, I don't know. Maybe I, I just don't have, like, maybe I just don't, you know, notice stuff like that as well. I think it's something about Gretel, especially her color scheme from the very beginning. It was very off-putting and jarring. And then, like, Kevin just kind of looks like Jeremy. I think that was what a lot of people pointed out. They're like, looks like Jeremy. Gretel. I've seen some people say that Kevin looks like Dollar Store Jeremy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can I Which can I mean, actually kind of agree to that. But, but I, I think, that. but I mean, going back to like Milo Murphy's Law, when that came out, I remember a lot of people were saying, oh, well, this just looks like a generic background character from Phineas and Ferb. So I think that kind of stuff doesn't matter if you've got a good show because people are going to move past that and get used to it. So I'm not really like, I wasn't really too worried about that. I was just like, look, I just want to see the show when it comes out and, um, and judge it on its own merits. Mm -hmm. I think the reason why the characters are designed the way they are is because the evolution of Phineas and Ferb's art style, because when Phineas and Ferb first came out, it was very much, like weird shapes, wonk, uh, like ca- crazy character designs. Phineas' head is is a, literally a triangle. Ferb's yeah. head is shaped like Doofenshmirtz building. It's literally like very, very different designs, like crazy, crazy designs. And then you have the later seasons of Phineas and Ferb. Any new character that was kind of introduced had a much more less like a s- abstract design. And then you go to Miley Murphy's Law, where they're continuing that art style, that that less abstract art style, where everything is more humanoid and it's not triangle heads, you know? Yeah, absolutely. We don't have Marty the Rabbit Boy in his musical blender anymore. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Even though there was a perfect opportunity for a cameo from them when everyone was turning on their appliances. <gasps> yes. Oh my yes, god, they should have right. done that. They should have done that. To that point, I think um, the other thing with this show is that the Rogues Gallery. I think I think that's per- that's one of the biggest uh, opportunities for creativity because you can do some really weird and wacky stuff. It, for sure, like, mm-hmm. I, like I was saying, the, the mundane backstories that they're, they're all taken over the last right. Movie. So you got to give um, people weird backstories. Mm-hmm. They yeah. already have gotten like. We've gotten some really great, like, comedian guest stars as some of the villains already. Like, we've gotten James Adomian and Betsy Sodaro. Like, th- that is nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, I think I think the talent's all absolutely there. And um, going to the pilot episode, I think the biggest thing with the pilot episode for me is it really very much feels like the biggest note that they got was that, hey, people don't want to see origin stories. People are tired of origin stories. So we're going to skip all of that stuff and just have it be, oh, well, they, you know, title sequence is done and they're already established heroes fighting, fighting not really fighting crime yeah. yet, but saving cats from not trees, but uh, getting stuck in uh, in 
underground. Mm -hmm. Like, here's the thing. It's not that I don't like that idea of, like, just skipping the origin story. We're just starting. Because uh, it reminds me a lot of some superhero shows where they just, like, like Earth Mightiest Heroes, where you don't really get any of the origins for the characters. They just kind of start existing. It just You just start in the middle of the Marvel Universe. Which is the opposite of She-Hulk, which just came out, where it's like, okay, we have other stuff to do, but obviously we have to do the origin story, and we're going to get that out of the way now. And she basically says that to the audience. Didn't the Earth's Mighty, M Mightiest Heroes origin stories all happen in, like, shorts before the series premiered? They kind of oh, did. Probably, they didn't yeah. really go... Uh, Earth's, there was, uh, like, four episodes that kind of just explain who the character is. They actually don't show the origins for any of the characters. They didn't show it for Hulk, Iron Man, Captain America, uh, Ant-Man and Wasp. They didn't show it for any of the characters. They just We just started in the Marvel Universe, basically. And with this show... I would have been fine if they just didn't even explain the alien stuff. Like, if they had just started it with Hamster and Gretel just existing, that would have been great. But I think because they explain, like, oh, this is how they got their powers, it kind of muddies it for me. I don't know. It... I think the first episode is kind of weird with the pacing, but I think the thing with the aliens with showing them, I, I, I like how that comes back later and is obviously going to be uh, a running thread throughout this, because I think... You know, for all the talk of, um, oh, well, the Disney Channel executives don't want to have um, serialized shows anymore. They want to have more episodic shows. This certainly yeah. can be played that way. But like the ghosts in Molly McGee, you still kind of have to watch the episodes in order because there's other stuff happening that's going to build on itself. And yeah. I think I think with uh, La Saboya especially, where they pull back and are like, yeah, so the aliens are doing this to a bunch of different people why and that's such an intriguing question and i'm really i'm really interested to see where that's gonna go yeah like they could have they could have stopped it at at the uh at fist puncher and his, his sister although i don't but they kept going and that was really yeah so they've been doing this to a lot of people so it's like okay why and I think yeah. I think like I said that's that's going to be a really intriguing thing that I'm sure they're building up to answering after the car breaks down and Hamster and Gretel get the superpowers and of course we find out that Kevin doesn't have superpowers because that's the whole that that's the whole setup of the show uh we get the title sequence and then it's saving the cat and then they're already doing a meet and greet and of course that's where we first meet um Bailey who is Gretel's best friend um, and the thing, the other thing I really, I, I really, well, there's a couple of things I really love about this show, but one thing I think is really fun is how they kind of take the idea of nobody knows that Clark Kent and Superman are the same person because of a pair of glasses and just amp up the absurdity of that with like, yeah, they they have the same name. And most people who know Gretel the kid know that she has a pet hamster, but they don't immediately think, oh, these are the same, these are both the same people. Nobody puts that together except for the, the one um, <laughs> substitute so, teacher who, of course, we later find out is uh, sentient facial hair. Those uh -huh. jokes never work with me. I don't know why it is. It might be because I'm a big comic nerd and I kind of understand more of the why Superman's always kind of being mis 
never actually his secret identity's never been revealed. And it's always because of his how good of acting Superman had like his acting skills because uh whenever you see Clark Kent, he is just the most dorkish person you will ever see. <laughs> and so that's where people always get the like conf- confuse the two and they don't actually see Clark Kent as Superman, they just see Clark Kent. Because he's just a dork. He looks he just clumsy. He's just superior acting, basically, I guess. And whenever that joke is made, it's always kind of like, there's a reason people kind of always misconstrue the two and don't actually see Superman and Clark Kent. I don't know. That joke just never has worked for me. I don't know why. (laughs) Okay, I was going to say, Hamster and Gretel, it does kind of remind me of a show I used to watch when I was younger called Word Girl that came on PBS. Um. And that was, I'm like, I love Word Girl. It's very, like, self-referential. And like Hamster and Gretel, the main character is a little girl who's a superhero. And her sidekick is her pet monkey. And so everyone knows she has this pet monkey. And there's all these jokes that, oh, she looks just like Word Girl. And almost no one ever puts it together. And and it's, like, funny. But there's more secret identity drama in that show than I think there will be in Hamster and Gretel. But because of that, I'm kind of accustomed to suspending my disbelief and, like, oh, that's the joke, like, no one, uh, no one recognizes them, and I don't know because. But thankfully, there's not as much secret identity drama as in Miraculous Ladybug. It's like on the total opposite end of the spectrum from Miraculous Ladybug, which is nice because I like both. I was gonna say I took this as less of just another like Clark Kent joke because like every children's comedy superhero media has made the Clark Kent joke ever, and I took this less as just another one of those. And more of just the Danville tradition of everybody yeah. is constantly oblivious. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't think they've said Danville. But... No, it's not in... No, this is definitely not Danville. This Danville, is somewhere different. Hey, there's like a firefighter. There's like mm. a firefighter that looks like Melissa's dad. Okay, but it yes. looks like an off-color. And Dan was like, oh, that's his cousin. He works in the next town over. So... Gotcha. We have off the record that it takes place a town over from where Milo takes place, which I think is Danville. I'm excited for the eventual crossover, though, because then I got to put it on my master list. We're going to get Hamster Gretel, Mission Marvel, where Phineas and Ferb come back as the beak, and Milo's also involved somehow. That's that's going to happen eventually. Yeah, that's good. That's going to be fun to cover on the Nexus. That's not. Uh, I already. So. The point is, we're still somewhere in the tri-state area where everybody is always oblivious. We're a centimeter off from the tri-state area. We're a centimeter off. <laughs> Not to put too fine a point of it on it, but uh, if the Marvel superhero characters are canon to Phineas and Ferb, that means that they are canon to Hamster and Gretel. So this is a world where superheroes just already exist anyways. Mm-hmm. And then if we go through my master, it, then if we go through the master list and my conspiracy board, technically a uh, Superman is canon, Batman is canon, a uh, Kevin Conroy Batman is canon, uh, Wonder Woman's canon, canon, all of Super Scooby Doo is canon. So like eventually we're just gonna have everybody. Well, there. well, remember there's there's three different Batman iterations in Scooby Doo. I mean, technically yes, but if we want to count. If we want to like do a multiversal Scooby Doo thing, then it's only one specific is canon within this universe, and that's like a the Scooby Doo and Guess Who Scooby Doo uh, gang, 
that one is very different than uh, from what I understand uh, from like other Scooby Doo iterations. There's always like one thing that's kind of different for every single one of them. So uh, th- this this episode of the podcast is going to be a little different from the previous ones where we've done Molly McGee and like covered each episode beat by beat because. I kind of don't have a lot of time to record this, so um, I don't. I don't have time to do like a two-hour recording right now. Um, but also, um, you know, I, I feel like it's probably better to just hit each episode quickly, anyways, and kind of discuss more of the dynamics. Mm-hmm. I think that's the stuff that's more interesting to talk yeah. about, any, anyways. Um, so, really quickly, um, what's established? Like I said, so obviously we have Bailey, who is um, Gretel's best friend, and also ends up being coincidentally a huge Hamster and Gretel <laughs> fangirl. Um, mm. Along with the, along with the kid with say... the Phineas shirt that's like next to her. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I will say, every time that she said Gretel from Hamster and Gretel, I was. It kind it kind of got to a, she just said Ham, Gretel from Hamster and Gretel so many times in every episode yeah. she was in it kind of it kind of got on my nerves so much. I really I I really like every Bailey, time. I think Bailey is fun. I think she's I think she's a great character. And is 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 a lot of fun, but she says Gretel from Hamster and Gretel so much. Too much for me. It's, it it, it kind of feels similar to how Candace was when uh, she met the Avengers. Fair, yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't think I even clocked that as as typical Meyer mm-hmm. repetition. Mm, uh, yeah. I, I don't I don't think I even noticed that, but yeah, that is a thing Dan loves to do with his characters is they have the one verbal mm-hmm. tick that they keep doing over and over. Or in the case of some characters, they have like fifteen mm-hmm. verbal ticks that they keep doing. Over <laughs> yeah, and over. I think it with this one because like it's not like a Isabel like what you do in every episode. This My one girl. was just like it's she'll say she, she'll say hamster and Gretel Gretel from Hamster and Gretel like twice in the same sentence. So like that can kind of that type of repetition can kind of gets on my nerves. I don't know why it was a lot more like. Gratuitous, I guess. I think I guess it's like she's trying to differentiate between like her best friend Gretel and like yeah. superhero. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's how I get that, it. That's how, that's it's, that's how I, I, don't know. It's, I, it's I take me it. Laugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so uh, one thing that's revealed towards the end of the second, well, the second half of the first episode, which is really more like a, a third because it's it's weird how they yeah it up. yeah um, I, i'm not sure why weird. they did that because you could it's have reordered so these scenes mm-hmm. you could have reordered these scenes and just had it be a 22 minute pilot i don't know why they didn't yeah. just do that i have to imagine <laughs> that no they clue. like were just trying to establish early on that this is going to be you know a two-story show but uh maybe. And, and maybe they just wanted to delineate you know Different villains mean, or different, uh, different main conflicts means a different story. Mean different episodes, even though th- yeah, that might be. Even the though case. they do function together mm-hmm. as a single cohesive pilot, and uh, and yeah, part one was significantly longer than part two. <laughs> yeah. Um. So at the end of part two, of the first episode. Oh, go ahead. Apologies. Yeah, I know. I don't want to keep on going on tangents and stuff, but. If I can give a theory on why this episode Tangent was on the so... podcast without a cool acronym, unheard <laughs> of, sir. <laughs> um, I feel like 
Dan and like everyone in the writing team wrote an entire like origin story based first episode. Like they had like a whole plan for how they were going to introduce everybody, how they were going to introduce all the characters. And I, someone at the higher ups, like they were like working on it. They probably storyboarded it, got everything ready. And like at the last minute during like the like animation pro, like once they were going to start animating and doing voice work, someone in the higher up team, I just, told him, like, no, we can't do an origin story. Let's just get right into the action. And then yeah, some, that's, that's kind of my theory, is that they mm-hmm. had that figured out, and then um, that kind of just had to be, like, you know, well, tell, 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 don't show, I guess. Yeah. And, Which, but I mean, then, they did, they did, I think they do a good job of establishing it. I think especially on my rewatch, things that I mm-hmm. thought were a little jarring on my first watch, it's like, no, that actually kind of jives with the rest of the show, so it, it works, mm-hmm. I think. I might have to rewatch it then. Yeah. Um, but um, so going through the characters really quick. So obviously we've got Gretel and uh, Kevin. Of course, Gretel's like probably about eight. She's in elementary school. Um, Kevin's 16, as is stated in the intro. Uh, and then Hamster, of course, is on. Oh, uh, um, Gretel is voiced by uh, Millie Pavenmeyer, who is, of course, Dan's daughter. What One of his daughters. Um because, of course, um, Isabella from Phineas and Ferb was named after... Well, actually, I think it, I think technically Isabella, the character, was created first. And then um, Dan named his daughter Isabella. And then um, Melissa Pavenmeyer. Isabella wasn't a part of the original pitch for Phineas and Ferb. She was added by Disney. And so Dan and... He, they knew that there was going to be a girl they were adding. And that she was going to have a crush on Phineas. And they didn't have a name for her. And Dan's wife was pregnant at the time, and they knew they were going to name their little girl Isabella. And they were like, oh, we'll just name her Isabella in the show. So that's... Yes. And then, of course, and then, of course, Nellie Pavenmeyer, her full name is actually Melissa Pavenmeyer. And, of course, Melissa from Milo Murphy's Law was named for her. So so now we've come full circle, and uh, Nellie Pavenmeyer is voicing Gretel, and she's obviously, you, you can tell that she's not as experienced as some of the other people in voice acting, but I think she still does a really good job. First episode was really, like, it felt like this was her first time just doing any voice acting. Yeah. Like, it, it I, I've, I've been there when I first started doing, like, YouTube voiceover stuff, like, oh, yeah. that, that was very much, like, how I would, how I spoke. Yeah. Now in like second episode two, three, four, and five, you could tell she was getting the hang of it a lot. Yeah, I'm singing voice, especially with uh, Michael Camino who plays Kevin. Um, the two of them together is great. I love them. I think mm. it's going to be really cool that we actually get to hear them consistently. Unlike on Milo Murphy's Law, where we now only got to sing like a couple of times. I think also, <laughs> and Sabrina didn't get to sing at all. I think also, uh, like so Melly's sort of stilted delivery really worked for me for that like that specific type of excited neurodivergent child that many of us know yeah because um Mm -hmm. because gretel is canonically adhd and possibly also on the spectrum but that hasn't been confirmed but it's it's entirely possible and and it's like i i have known so many kids exactly like gretel and even though it's, you know, I, even though I can hear that it is not a child doing the voice, just the delivery still 
rings so true for me for the types of child uh the types of children like Gretel that I've known uh and in some cases the types of children not that dissimilar to Gretel that I may have been when I was that age <laughs> um <laughs> yeah and uh we've all been those types of children I think, and and like yes. over the course of the couple of episodes that have come out so far I found uh, Melly's voice really going on me and solidifying in place much in the same way that like the first couple of episodes of Milo I was just like okay that's just weird Al talking but yeah. basically by halfway oh, yeah. through season one yeah. I stopped hearing Al and just like when I heard that voice coming out of that face I was like yeah that's just Milo and I would have to step back and be like yeah. oh no that is Alfred Matthew Yankovic oh yes <laughs> yes exactly um Melly I I it's it's airy, but also has that same sense of whimsy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it it, and I completely agree with the, what uh, Dave's saying. Is that like it? You don't have it. Doesn't take that long to really just feel like, oh, this is this is Gretel. Yeah. Uh, with because like I'm a gamer, so I play video games. I hear Troy Baker and everything. Yeah. yeah. When I hear Troy Baker, I'm like, that's Troy Baker. You can't fool me. That's not Bruce Banner. That's Troy Baker. Like, you can't, like, I can't get fooled. And it takes, like, it takes some time before I'm like, okay, this is, this is Bruce. I can hear, I can hear his voice. So, like, yeah, it's, it was a lot, it was a lot easier for me just to be like, okay, this is Gretel. This is just Gretel. Okay. Like, like I said, uh, when, when they get to, uh, when Melly and uh, Michael Camino get to sing together, it's great. Um... We've also got Hamster, who is voiced by Beck Bennett. And my <laughs> biggest thing with this show is that they should not have spoiled that Hamster can talk in the freaking trailers. No, that would have been such have. a funny reveal at the end of that first episode. Wait, you can talk? But we already knew that because we saw it in all the trailers. I also and... did not uh, realize it was Beck Bennett at first and thought it was just Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Honestly, that Okay. Honestly, I, that's the is... most distracting thing about this show is that Dan's voice is all over this damn thing. Yeah. Even more so. And because I've watched Dan's so much of the the, the Dorothy verse, I recognize his voice. I recognize this I recognize that voice instantly. Actually, uh moving on with the characters well, well, I need, do need to circle uh, the, the one other Love one other thought of Hamster. The one other thought about Hamster that I have it's his character design, again, speaking of Weird Al, is very reminiscent to me of Harvey, the Wonder Hamster's design in the animated Fat Man segments from the Weird Al show. Yes. Yeah. Yes, definitely. That's great. I love that. Um, so, but speaking of Dan being all over this thing, moving on, um, I have to circle back to one, obviously, but, um, uh, moving on to the parents, I want to talk about the parents for a second, so Dave and Carolina, um, Dave is very obviously modeled after Dan, and yeah. Carolina is, is modeled after He, he just his did wife. a TikTok saying, like, yeah, this is supposed to be me, and yeah. it's, a, I don't understand why he doesn't even voice him. Like, There's a reason the for that, and we discussed this before. It's because when they, uh, it's the same kind of thing with Love Handle. When they had characters named Danny, Swampy, and Bobby, they were going to have them voice their respective characters, and Disney said no, because then there's questions about who owns the characters. So that's why oh, Dan right. doesn't voice yeah. 
That really? that is exactly why Dan does not voice Dave is because there are rights disputes with that. So it's dead. Wow. Oh, that's weird. You can only have you can only have two. You can't have a character that is named after yourself, voiced by you, that looks like you. Those are the those are the three things. Cheap, fast, wow. or good, you can only pick two. So instead, Dave. I mean, it, you could have just made him a cameo. Yeah. So instead, Dave is voiced by Matt Jones, the one man on earth with a raspier voice than Dan's. Because <laughs> he still kind of sounds like Dan yeah. to me. Like he I almost was, does. I was joking. It's like Danception because he looks like Dan and he sounds like Dan, but and he's supposed to be Dan, but it, but he's not actually voiced by Dan. So and Cadence, what you're saying is I can't believe it's not Dan. Yeah. Yes, I can't believe it's not Dan. <laughs> it's like exactly. Zaro Dan. His loud, exasperated voice, but it's not him. Yeah. It's kind of like in between yeah. his regular voice and his Doofenshmirtz voice. It's, it's a like Dan Poppenmeyer That's clone. what Dave sounds like. No, I would I love to actually hear him. Bad. <laughs> I would actually what? like to hear what his version of Doofenshmirtz would be. <laughs> Same. Maybe, maybe we'll get a joke about that when Doofenshmirtz inevitably cameos in like the season finale or something. I Okay. Which I'm, so, I, yeah. I hope they don't do that. <laughs> I, w- I will be happy. I think he's going to be being mind controlled because he has on the helmet, like the platypus control <laughs> helmet. On yeah. The poster. Yes. So he's under mind control because he's not evil anymore. So, so here's my hot take. Love Doofenshmirtz. Hope he shows up on every show. I don't need him to become a regular again like he did towards the end of Milo. But, no. Yeah, I think that was a mistake. But, I still think that was a mistake. But, I think now, everyone but, look. I I would love to see Doofenshmirtz show up here, but I think it would be more fun if instead of Doofenshmirtz, we get to some other Love Muffin people being villains of the week. Like if, if yeah! we get Gretel versus yes! Gretel versus Rodney or Gretel versus Doctor yes. We need a that would be we need a Greta so Alka team up. That would be so love much fun. Love Greta Alka team up. So yes. Love Muffin um, makes Gretel a target. Gretel versus Kakapoo. Yes. 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 Bring back Ben Stiller. Bring back Ben Stiller for the the one other voice role he's ever done. <laughs> yeah. But, but then, of course, but, we have to say once again, it's not a Ben Stiller comedy, Mom! <laughs> it's not a Ben Stiller comedy. Um, so, of course, circling back, the other person we meet in the first episode is Fred, who is, um, Kevin and Gretel's cousin, and, um, she's great, I love her, um, she's the one person that Kevin told about everything, because he knows that she's not gonna go blabbing, because she's very antisocial. I adore Fred. I love her, she's great. (laughs) 2020's Daria. Yeah, voiced by uh, Joey King. Yeah, which is so crazy to me. Like, I would never have been able to tell that if I hadn't known. That's because she'd been in all the young and cute roles in her her live acting work. So, turning... And, of course... uh, I gave her that as a departure. Um, So, of course, the other series regular that we meet is uh, Hiromi, who is voiced by Hiromi Dames. So, uh, Hiromi and Carolina have the honor of 
um, being named after the person who voices them. Mm -hmm. um, and Hiromi is the yeah. uh, comic book shop employee, and Kevin has a big crush on her, and it's really cute. So that's fun. I love her. They yeah, are she, so she's cute. great. She's really sweet. Um, and she and she's obviously um, quite a bit of a geek, and um, you can tell that um, she kind of likes Kevin too, and they have good chemistry. But obviously, Kevin is way too just. Not not so much shy, but just awkward. Just very, very awkward. I hope this isn't a situation where it's going to be multiple, multiple seasons until they finally get together, and it's just going to be a future episode. Yeah, oh, I hope they don't do that, because that was a, a thing. They're yeah, so they, they're not afraid to do it if the characters are teenagers. Yeah. They're not afraid to yeah. do it if the characters are teenagers, but of course, if they're mm -hmm. kids, it's like, no, we have to show them getting together in a flash forward. I, <laughs> Yeah, I have, so have them process these feelings now, but I've already said my piece on that. So so many it doesn't stop the Disney sitcoms. I will say. Yeah, yeah. But there's that one scene where like Kevin was trying to find like a cheerleading uniform for Fred, and like Hiromi was there, and she like, oh, I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I don't know. It was just I felt like I was like twelve watching that. I was like, this is so cute. Well, my other question is, um, how long are they going to have Bailey not know about Gretel being the same person as Superhero Gretel? Um, it would be kind of funny if it's just the whole series just never happening until the finale. Because, yeah, like, sure. spoiler for <laughs> the Ghost of Molly McGee, but they kind of dropped that about halfway through. So yeah. I'm like, I'm not sure if they're going to kind of do the same thing here or if... I know there is an episode about Bailey's birthday, so I'm interested to see um, if that comes up there, because that's one of the songs on the soundtrack is um, that. But um, another theme that's established early on is that, um, so of course, Kevin is kind of the guy in the chair in this operation, um, mm -hmm. while and Gretel's got like an earpiece, and also has a phone that amazingly can withstand a lot of damage. <laughs> She got an. Uh, she got a Lumia before they stopped going. Before they stopped being made, I guess. <laughs> I will say he's more the guy in the minivan, but. Well, yeah, he's the guy in the minivan. Um, the which, minivan. by the way, um, what, what? I hope I hope he's not having to constantly pay for gas in this thing, but you know he probably is, and it, those oh, those man. things those things are versus superhero stressors. tax benefits when you need it. Yeah, those things. <laughs> Um, th th those things can be absolute gas guzzlers. That's why we got rid of the one we had. Uh, yeah. Um, but the but the other thing that's established very early on is that Gretel is kind of well again ADHD. So um, Kevin will be giving her directions and she just doesn't follow them. <laughs> and for the most part, it's still shown that things work out. Um, the, the one time you really think there's going to be consequences is in that second half of the first episode where, yeah. um, she's stopping the meteor and they're, um, because Kevin tells her to pick up the band shell and use it to kind of, um, basically be like a, a marble turn, spin the meteor back around and out of harm's, out of the way of, you know, causing harm, um, uh, which by the way, I love how they referenced, uh, 
that the meteor was on, on course to take out the totally tools building downtown. Yeah. Like, much obliged. I, much I, obliged. I, um, but she's like, no, I'm just going to punch it. And he's like, it's going to be on fire. And then um, Hamster um, bl- blows it out so it's not on fire. And then she punches it. And most of it goes back into space. But part of it destroys the tree that Gretel and Bailey were hanging out in earlier. And you think that's going to be kind of what makes Gretel be like, okay, I really do need to listen to you. But then she and Hamster just rebuild the tree with glue. And it's kind of like, okay, so... And then the Kevin, um, at the end, is kind of just, like, you know, accepting, okay, this is my life now, and it's fine. Um, But, like, I I feel like we kind of do need Gretel to understand that there are consequences to actions. And yeah, I was, I'm, I was I'm wondering like, so if we're going to get that in the future or if that's kind of going to be the continuing joke, because I can see that getting tiresome. I, mean, I, I think for right now, at least at this point in the series, because much like how Candace was the real protagonist of Phineas and Ferb, right now Kevin is still the real protagonist of uh, Hamster and Gretel, and he is the one who has to adjust to this life. So at least at the moment, he's the one who has to learn how to let go of control and things and and right uh, yeah at a certain point i think uh, probably at a certain point greta will have to actually learn not to punch everything but uh <laughs> yeah because she's caused a, she's probably caused more damage than batman at this point mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. not but close this becomes a weird thing with i guess dan shows where the uh so far with both Phineas and Ferb and this, the main characters of the show aren't the title characters. Right. That's one of my favorite things he does, is is, is that uh, you think you're watching a show about one person, but secretly you're finding yourself invested in the story of this mm-hmm. other person. It's, it's Milo Murphy's Law, but we've actually got these pistachio guys who are amazing. I will say... We are several episodes deep and we haven't really figured out or we haven't really learned if there's a regular B story this time around. Yeah, I was kind of wondering about that. They're going to save that for halfway through the season this time. Just to really mess with us. I kind of thought, like, at the end of the pilot, I thought, oh, maybe uh, Fist Puncher and uh, Destructo Girl, was that her name? The Destructress. Yeah. The Destructress. Played by Allison Stoner. I love Alex delightful Stoner. as always. Um, I thought I yes. thought at the end of the pilot, oh maybe maybe they're going to be the Doof and Perry, or, or they're going to be yeah. the uh, the Cavendish and Dakota. With, but with the- no, we just you know faced off against them a few episodes later. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. uh, which I feel like I, 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 I kind of like that cold tag because it again sets up the the aliens. But then at the same time, it's like, but if they're not going to be the recurring villains, and maybe they still are, maybe they break out of prison, we don't know. I imagine they will uh, still think... be recurring villains, but I kind of thought it was all going to, like, be more of a build to them finally crossing paths with Hamster and Gretel. And, yeah. yeah. Because of the way the uh, the cast reveal was, it was like they were going, but the way I'm seeing it right now, might not be the case, and it's going to be that, like, with Kim Possible and Draken. Draken wasn't really quite the, okay, that's her direct nemesis, until the show actually started getting going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So really quick going through the episodes. Um Recipe for Disaster. That one's kind of more of a um an episode that's good to focus on um Gretel and Kevin and their relationship with uh well really it it's Kevin and uh his mom because uh, that of course is the family dinner night and yeah. um uh their mom is making ropa vieja, which literally oh, means old yeah. clothes. And so so um when Gretel messes it up by trying to speed up the cooking process, she ends up flying all over town trying to um tr- trying to find a suitable replacement and Meanwhile, um, Kevin's just running errands. That one's uh, more of just kind of a slice of life episode that's just like, this is them doing stuff. And I really like it. It's fun. And the the song is great. Mm-hmm. The the luchador villain was kind of a throwaway. The best part of that was the gag where, because some of the villains have this where, and Gretel has this too where like the, the comic book um, letters like just pop up and she later is like I have no idea where these come from uh, and they, they'll literally just fall on people and honestly it's really funny um, but this Luchador guy shows up at Casa Ropa Vieja um, the, the the town's premier Ropa Vieja restaurant that's almost out of Ropa Vieja uh, which is the equivalent to going to a Cold Stone Creamery and then saying sorry we're out of ice cream would you like a soda and he's dead <laughs> Going to Chick Fil A and finding out that they're almost—they're out, out of chicken. chicken. Like, what am I supposed to have? A burger? You don't have that. What is this, Burgfil O? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to going to Popeyes. Well, I, I mean, I guess Popeyes does actually sell shrimp. Ooh, they got biscuits at Popeyes. Oh, like their the biscuits, biscuits are good. Yeah. Popeyes in a while. Now you guys make me hungry. Oh uh, yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> But yeah, I, I love the song. The song is great. Um, and then uh, superhero sibling rivalry. It's great rivalry. to hear a Dan Povenmire song again. You know. Yeah. Um, superhero sibling rivalry. I think the thing that's really interesting with this show is we get a dynamic where, for the first time, we actually have a pair of siblings that don't always agree on everything. They actually butt heads. I mean, because obviously, yeah. obviously, Candace sees herself as an adversary to Phineas and Ferb, but Phineas and Ferb don't see it that way. So that is really one-sided. Whereas we love you, we never get an actual like fight between Phineas and Ferb and Candace. Whereas superhero sibling rivalry, we actually see Gretel and Kevin butt heads. And um, they eventually decide, okay, fine, we'll we'll kind of. Um, do our own thing for a little while, and then they quickly realize, yeah, no, they need each other. The yeah. the only fight Phineas and Ferb ever had wasn't even themselves. Yeah, that doesn't count. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was, oh. and Phineas only yells at Candace when it's a special episode. So yes, this is your regular it, episode, it, it just like Mission special. Marvel. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's another special episode. He's yelling at his sister again. I honestly was surprised, like with the show as a whole, how quickly. Kevin just fell into being the assist role because when I saw that first uh, that first scene they released of Hamster and Gretel getting the powers and Kevin not getting it, I assumed that he was going to be much more Candace like throughout the series of being really frustrated and yeah. jealous and uh, really bitter towards uh, Gretel that she has all this new power and he doesn't. And instead, like over the course of the pilot he's already started to accept his place in the dynamic. And 
so by the time we get to superhero sibling rivalry, you know, we see, okay, there is still conflict, but it's not as central a piece of this relationship as I kind of assumed it would be from the premise of the show. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm glad that they did that. I think their dynamic is easily the best thing about this show. I really enjoy yeah, it. It's, it's very fun. Um, cause, cause it's, you know, it's, it's very obvious that Kevin is, you know, very protective of his little sister, but then he, you know, she still gets on his nerves and, uh, they, you know, like, uh, in the, the later episode with, uh, La Savoia, where there's a bit where, like, Kevin spills the salt and then their mom makes them run laps around the block with garlic and Gretel's like, pew, 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 I did it in, you know, no time at all. And Kevin's like, superpowers, that's no fair. <laughs> It's just, it's fun. I love their relationship. It's great. Yeah. It definitely feels very realistic to me. Just the way that they're like, they're friends. Like there's, even though there's such a big big age gap between them, it doesn't affect their ability to like, want to spend time together and just be buds, which I love. Yeah, exactly. Very realistic and it's sweet. And it's like with Candace, growing up, I, I'm a big sister and I always like, really hated Candace when I was little because she was such a jerk to her brothers and they were nothing but kind to her. So I've, I really appreciate Candace now, but I love like seeing with characters like Sarah and Ryle Murphy's Law and now Kevin, it's kind of a more um, balanced sibling. I don't know, less exaggerated. I, I, I think Reto is a little more unbalanced to Kevin than Milo is to Sarah, but I think that's more a maturity thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I think easily um, some of my favorite moments in Phineas and Ferb have been when Candace hasn't been trying to bust her brothers and has just gone along with it and yes. actually enjoyed herself. Those are some of the best moments. Um, yes. So I, I, I really love that dynamic. Um, also, I want to bring up uh, one of my favorite jokes um, in superhero sibling rivalry is the one with the the people in the office where the guy's like, "Well, hold on, we have to evacuate." <laughs> using oh my the manual. god, that was so funny. <laughs> that... There's a boat flying right at us. Well, do you want to do this? Do you do you want to do this quickly or do you want to do it correctly? It's like this reminds me of like that Dwight Schrute thing where he sets the entire place on fire, like the, the office procedure? on fire. And he's just like, all right, everyone, what's the proper procedures of this? That was like classic. That was like such classic Phineas and Milo. Just here is an entire different life that is happening adjacent to the, you know, it's, it, it it was right up there with like the farmer and his wife in terms of just like, this is all going on too. And how, how do the shenanigans affect this? And, and, I feel like a lot of people were really unfair towards season 3A of Amphibia, where it was a lot more of the slice of life stuff happening on Earth, and you only got a couple of glimpses of what was happening back on Amphibia. But, like, I love that stuff, and I especially love the gags in, like, uh, the the Spring's birthday episode really comes to mind, where it's, like, the, the cutaway gags where it's these other people just living their lives, and then stuff is just happening, like, behind them, and they're like... Okay, this is happening now, I guess. Well, Doc, I think you've done it. I think you've cured me of my fear of direct eye contact. Ah! Hun, look behind you. No, Tyler, I will not clown face you. <sighs> I just.
just don't know what to do. Should I quit my office job to pursue my passion of stand-up comedy? Lord, send me a sign! Hey, if you guys heard the one about the lady who probably just made a really bad decision. Like, I feel, I feel like, I feel like that, like, like the whole, um, because of course that whole, uh, half of that season was set in Los Angeles, and they, it feels so fleshed out, it feels very similar to how Danville is, which is great, like, you can tell that it's not just these characters going on these random silly adventures, like, people actually live here. Yeah. The whole bit where, um, Destructress and, um, Fist Puncher trap Gretel and Hamster under... A whole bunch of stuff. And then Kevin has to go um, help them out by ultimately pitting the two against each other. Take, um, use, using the sibling, the sibling rivalry to, to his advantage. I thought that was brilliant. I loved that whole thing. That was sweet. Yeah, that was... Yeah. I, th- I thought that was great. Oh, and we didn't talk about... Uh, we didn't talk about Math Punch. Which is... Ro- Rodney Thunderpants. Your name is Rodney, and you have lightning superpowers, and you didn't think to call yourself Lightning Rod? Well, the problem with that, you see, is then you'd break down a lot. Just ask Dollywood how that goes. There's <laughs> one thing we have learned between this and Harley Quinn. If you need a butt monkey supervillain, you get James Adomian. <laughs> uh, just, just such a great punching bag. And also, uh, Math Punch, so far, is the only episode to have Swampy in it. Yes. Yeah, That's Swampy true. has a cameo. Uh, he's he's the, the guy playing chess. Did you hire them to distract me, Clyde? No, I hired these guys. <laughs> that was great. I love that one. Um, I like how Math Punch takes the idea of, okay, what if we took one of those really elaborate word problems about a train and actually made... Something where like Gretel needs to solve it to be able to save her brother, like that. I that I thought was great. I love that. I felt like something that could have happened on Phineas, either as like, behold, oh, yeah. the how fast is the train going in Ater, or or as like, <laughs> or, or as Phineas and Herb, you know, building a train to answer a math problem. Either way, it could have worked. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, I mean what. I think that would be more something that they would do if they were back. If it wasn't summer vacation, they'd be in school doing oh, yeah. homework, and they're like, "How would it, how fast would it go for?" And well, they just build it. The one time we ever see them in school is in Doof One Hundred One, and they're like tricking out the playground and making it super awesome because, of course, they are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why they couldn't do it during the summer is anyone's guess. Yeah, <laughs> well, it didn't come up. I really like how they made uh, a whole episode where. The the villain is some boomer who hates technology. It basically completely shuts down the whole argument that cell phones are evil. It's like, no, you're just stupid. All these dying kids on their dang cellular phones. Everyone knows that the cell phones cause the thunder strikes. Yes, obviously. As we all know, it's it's the cell phones that are commanding the Jewish space lasers. Also, I really love how um when, after um, after Gretel picks up the train, I'm going to put this in the portion where we were actually talking about math, about math Punch. After Gretel picks up the train, all the cop cars just fall on top of it, like almost Blues Brothers style. 
we didn't even see them them chasing the train, so it's just like, oh, they were following too. Sure, why not? <laughs> um, I really love close shave because that whole episode is Gretel's like. Kevin, I'm getting bad vibes from this substitute teacher, and this substitute teacher is being nothing but nice. And then, plot twist, the substitute teacher actually is evil, but it's not the substitute teacher, it's just literally the goatee. Well, it's not just a goatee, it's a Van Dyke. Van Dyke! Van Dyke, mind controlling facial hair. I love that so much. I was kind of worried that the message was going to be construed as judge people by their appearance. <laughs> because, like, she's judging them basically just on the goatee alone. Right. Which I was really worried that it was going to be like, judge them on their appearance, and that's just for your intuition. Uh, yeah, and, and again, like, if it weren't for the fact that the character who's learning at this point is Kevin, that would be a concerning lesson. Like... Right. If, if it weren't for the fact that, again, Kevin is the character that we are supposed to be learning and growing with, and uh, Gretel is, at this point, still just an immovable foil to him. I disagree. I, I, I feel like both of them are learning and growing. Like, especially in that one. Like, her superhero sense, she does figure out in the end that she can trust it. But she went through a lot of introspection, being like, wait, oh, I was wrong. I'm a horrible person. I feel so bad. I feel like, I don't know, I feel like we're not giving her enough credit. I feel like, especially in the later ones, she has some more growth. I don't know. Or we get to see her character be fleshed out, maybe in ways we didn't get to see as much with characters like Phineas. But I'm so used to, like, fleshing them out on my own that I, it doesn't matter. But, like, with Gretel, I don't know. I feel like they're a lot more even. Character-wise, compared to, like, Candace and Phineas. Gretel is a lot different of a character from Phineas and Milo, because Phineas and Milo, even though Milo obviously have this cyclone of calamity surrounding him, the two of them are very much cut from the same cloth. They're both very optimistic, whereas Gretel is not the super optimist of anything, um, that, that is more, um, Molly McGee's thing. I think, I think they would be three peas in a pod. Milo, yeah. Phineas, and Molly just hanging out. Um, not to say that, Gre- that Gretel's, like, pessimistic or anything, but, you know, she's just a kid. Um, and... Like, she doesn't want to do her math homework. She's just like, Yeah, she doesn't want to do her math homework, exactly. <laughs> she, she'd rather mine coal. Also, in the the family dinner one, the bit where they keep getting coal and turn and uh, hamster keeps turning it into diamonds and giving it to people. <laughs> I ah, love I quit. That. Well, because it it's their payment for the it's their payment for the damage and right even has to right. ask for one in advance. Yeah, of course. Rather than just find it here, here, here's a diamond for the chips and guac you gave me. That reminds me of like a gag from a uh, like. The uh, from Solar Opposites, where they just literally just have this gold machine, so they just keep on. It's like if anything happens, they're like, "Let's just use the gold machine," <laughs> and they just start paying for everything with the gold machine. We have to pay for our neighbor's mailbox and the gazebo, and presumably Gretel has to buy uh, Kevin a new laptop. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that. She, she didn't actually destroy the laptop. She just ended up downloading a virus. She's trying to play games. Do you think Hamster got the uh, the pressure powers because is um, Gretel just 
would take too long to have to like she wouldn't control it as well at first and it would just ruin everything and I don't know that's just funny. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's uh-huh. one of those where you just you yeah, can't think too funny. hard about that. Yeah. Um, cheer, cheer, bang, bang is a fun one um, because that one um, that one focuses on Fred. Basically, um, there's a rash of bank robberies that have been happening. They're higher en- high energy bank robberies committed by obviously cheerleaders, and and Kevin's the only one. Kevin's the only one that can figure out, wait, those are our school colors. Did anyone else uh, in the opening bank robbery scene, which was a very well done like action sequence there, uh, was anyone else from the robber cheerleaders getting kind of Spider-Gwen vibes from their design? So, someone was probably who was working on the animation probably was working on Into the, uh, Across the Spider-Verse or whatever. I there like was someone the on Twitter that made... Clips from Spider Verse 60 frames per second. It's like you're not oh, supposed to do that. that. You're interpolated not supposed to footage, do I, that. I despise any form of interpolated footage. Motion smoothing is the anywhere. devil. The and devil. My TV has that option to motion smooth. I immediately turned it off the minute I, it was. I turned on my television. Yeah. It is the most grossest thing ever. It like does it for everything, including animation. Watching 60 uh, frames per second South Park is the grossest thing I've ever thought I could no, see. No! Oh my god! Uh, it makes it like it's just sliding, it's like sliding construction paper on the on there. Oh my it's, god, that's awful. Um, but yeah, that one's, um, so Cheer Cheer Bang Bang is really fun because, um, um, because Fred basically has to go undercover with the cheerleaders. And, and it, it turns out she actually was a cheerleader before, but um, quit because one of the judges was like, well, you need, or I don't know if it was one of the judges, or I think it was maybe her coach. who was like, you need to smile. And she's like, no, I quit. <laughs> and Gretel's like, Girl, yeah, I... I feel that. That's a mood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll have 20 hour rants from, um, uh, from straight white men saying that. I was just going to say that. More. I was just going to say that. It's like, well, what? why didn't you smile? Shut up. <laughs> They'll uh, constantly say how much her movie was a flop at the box office, even though it made a billion dollars. And that she was a bad actress, and I couldn't connect with her. Mm -hmm. The only thing that was obviously a flop with Captain Marvel attached to it was Avengers Flight Force in Paris. Womp womp. Like, you know it's bad when even Chapek rides in and is like, wow, this is disappointing. (laughs) Literally, Chipping and Tomorrow got off and were like, what the hell is that? <laughs> we we just opened Cosmic it? Rewind and this is what we give Paris? Seriously? Well, Paris does have Ladybug and Cat Noir, so, you know, it mm-hmm. even. But they don't <laughs> have a good Park studios, Mark. <laughs> Anyways, um, so as it turns out, um,. The Betsy Sidaro's cheer yes, coach. Yes, Betsy Sidaro, who I adore, just great, at, great as the hypnotizing coach. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, um, yeah. So they find out it's the coach that's doing it. Did they come up with a supervillain name for that character? I don't think they did. No. I'm now trying. Now I'm trying to think of a good supervillain name for. Her. Underpaid cheer. Coach. <laughs> Underpaid cheer coach. Um, but basically, um, because Kevin wanted oh, to sit Kella. next to, uh, Hiromi, um, he ends up being hypnotized with everyone else, and so, 
Uh, it's up to Fred and um, Gretel to save the day, along with Hamster, of course. And they sat together. It was yes. so cute. And um, there was that bit we mentioned before where uh, where Kevin was picking out a cheerleading outfit for Fred. Uh, and um, Hirobi helps him out, and he's like so flustered the whole time. It's, <laughs> it's really cute. Uh, really it's really cute. In case you couldn't tell. Yeah. It's kind of my thing. One of my things. But yeah. Those adorable. They, they're really the good at establishing a, a pretty much canon ship and just being like, yeah, you definitely want to support this ship because they're cute. Yeah, like, I'm it, surprised I took to it as fast as I did. Very, very, very Candace and Jeremy kind of energy. Yeah. Oh, um, although, although not as high strung, obviously, but still. Yeah. I th- it's still just as awkward in the early stages <laughs> as Candace and Jeremy. Where Hiromi's just like, yeah, hi, and and Kevin's like, uh, uh, I forgot my, I, I forgot what my sister's name is, um, <laughs> and what my I name love, is. I love all, Gretel's like teasing Gretel, and Fre- that's like one of my favorite things. Yeah, like teasing their sibling for having a crush. It's just adorable. I just, I, I could talk about it all day because we never really adorable. get that. The only time, yeah, because we never really get that from uh, from Phineas ever. <laughs> He's just yeah, like, we have fun on your time. date! Bye! Wrinkles of it, like... Or, like, even Candace kind of teasing Isabella for her crush on Phineas. And I, I love those moments. So <laughs> it seems like we're going to have more of that in Hamster and Gretel, which yeah. I appreciate. I which is it. fun. I like that stuff. I was, thinking, I, was meaning, I was meaning to bring this up with, uh, um, with the uh, cheer segment. The first place I heard Betsy Sidaro... <laughs> Was us the pineapple in, uh, or the, or the coconut tree in, uh, what, right now, Kapow? Okay. And I'm, it's not streaming. It's WB. It's Disney. It's aired on Disney XD. It's on neither platform. Probably going to be Disney XD if they ever remember it exists. Um... <laughs> uh... So, La, uh, La Ballad of La Saboya is a really fun one, because the song for that one is great. <laughs> because, like, I, I love how it establishes that, yeah, there's people in this world that have some really lame powers. Because <laughs> um, Kevin and Gretel are just at the store, and um, this onion lady shows up. And starts singing her whole backstory about how she was the star of this telenovela that, um, and and her character got salmonella, um, which I, I I guarantee you they they're like okay what rhymes with telenovela salmonella yes we did it for Finnabella we'll do it again. I was <laughs> we said Finnabella on the podcast we referenced Finnabella. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I can. Um, I can. And for out. some and. Despite her biggest role being a strawberry-based telenovela, yeah, she ends up going with onions because onions can make you cry. That's why she does that. Um, and of course, the aliens, as it turns out, were the ones that gave her the superpowers, as we already said. Um, mm-hmm. I I just love how uh, La Saboya does that whole song and. The, the, for a good chunk of the episode, Kevin and Gretel are just laughing about it. 
<laughs> you talk to onions. Is that even a power? I mean, I can talk to onions. Hey, Mr. Onion, read any good books lately? Oh, you haven't, because you're an onion. Hey, Kevin, look. Blah, blah, blah. I'm chatting with a banana. I'm lounging with a leek. How you doing? Like it again. It's really cute. I really love their 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 friendship and their relate their their sibling relationship. They've got such a great bond. I, I love them. I should clarify. I talk to onions and they listen. Onions, vamonos. Call me la cebolla. Excuse me. Could you pass me a kiwi? <sighs> Here you go, ma'am. Should we go after her? I'm not even sure onion whispering is a crime. Fair enough, but now we don't have a perfect onion for Mom's remedy soup. We'll have to settle for an adequate challenge. The other runner in the episode is that their mom is doing all these different <laughs> home remedies. Um, and... <laughs> Uh, when they're running around the block, uh, she shows up again and ends up uh, kidnapping Gretel so that um, she can use her as a battery for uh, onion. Uh, it's like it's like basically well, well, an onion power amplifier. Like it would make her be able to talk to more onions, which is a very specific product to make. There's like a commercial oh, for I, it. I think. That ha that has to be a random byproduct, and the uh, superhero torture part of it is the main function. Maybe it's just kind of funny to me that, of course, the episode starts with uh, Kevin and Gretel being like, "I don't even know if this is a crime," and then by the end, it's like, "Well, yeah, her powers are lame, but she ends up almost committing murder." So, you know, that's pretty heinous in and of itself. Maybe what? We're just... had all stuff like that. Like, there was, like, supervillain catalog and things. That's what that reminded, yeah. reminded me of. I love that well, gag. Well, one of the comics um, that Kevin is looking at, I think, in one of the first, like, I think probably, I think it's in the pilot episode, um, has an ad for a Shrinkinator. Yep. It was in the very first episode. Oh, yeah, I yes. think Jonathan made a TikTok about that or something. Yeah. I'm sorry if I've been quiet. I've been thinking for the past few minutes on, like, what the best kind of pun-based supervillain would be for the coach hypnotist. Yeah. I've, <laughs> the, uh, the, the closest the thing leader. I've gotten to is... Uh, what was that? The fear leader. Fear leader? leader's good. <laughs> God yeah. damn it, now you... God damn it. <laughs> you wasted his time! I'm sorry. Wait, I what wasted you think his of? time! Wait, I want to hear it. What do you... I've got. I was going to say, I was so I could keep the titles of the episodes because it's straight. like a teacher, coach. I thought mentor, and I thought mementorism, like yeah. uh, mesmerism or something like that. Mementorism. Yeah. Dan, Dan, if you're if if you're listening to this, I I hope you are. We would uh, consider both of our names for the <laughs> coach hypnotist. Yes. By the way, Melly, if you're listening to this, you're doing a great job. Keep it up. Yep, yes, keep it up. Really... I can see you're improving. You're doing some w wonderful job. Um, I don't know if this came from the official summary of the episode, but I'm just I have Wikipedia up so I can make sure I keep all the episode titles straight. And for for Cheer Cheer Bang Bang, it says that Fred is emo. I'm like, she's not really emo, is she? No, 
I don't. She's not. I mean, emo. I guess if you just think emo just means you know sullen. That's yeah. But she's not giving off like emo Candace from that one episode vibe. Yeah, the vampire one. Like, oh. oh my god, I love that episode. Sibling um... unit waiting, waiting. I just stand here not relating. Yes. Oh, I love that episode. So um, and so yeah, the La Saboya one ends with um, actually the, the there's yeah. the I love that bit where um she uses onion breath on hamster and um Kevin has to do the oh thing with God. the apple and the ice water and scream a secret into the cup. I love that. Sometimes I reuse my old socks. The the imagery of the onions following. La Ceboya around. For some reason, made me think of the uh, the Chef Boyardee ravioli commercial, where <laughs> the can pops off the shelf and then rolls all the way home to the really little girl. Because I was thinking of Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. <laughs> I was I was thinking of Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, uh, and I. I love how um, she she tries to like command the onions to burst, and Kevin and Gretel are just like, "Wait, so you talk to them and they listen to you, and you're gonna just tell them to explode?" I don't think they'll like that. It's like, yeah, she clearly hasn't thought this through. Yeah, I well, like the thing is, like, does she did. Did she think they had minds? Like, did she think that the onions had minds? That they have a not. soul? Brains? Does all the food in this universe, like, is it all, like, sentient? Like... Is it what? like Sausage Party, where every single, every single, like, food item is, like, having a soul and a actual existence? I like, yeah, like to think that it's more close to the uh, to the annoying orange, mainly because then I don't have to think about the ending of Sausage Party. I I finally watched that movie just a few mo- about a month ago. I was definitely I definitely understand the hate the dis- yeah, like I think hatred Seth Rogen. I still haven't actually like sat through it, but I think I feel I think Seth Rogen said that it's like the filthiest movie he's ever made, and definitely Seth Rogen's is. made can... a lot of filthy movies. Yeah, I can agree with that. It's pre- it's a pretty filthy one. Yeah. Um. So the last couple of episodes, um, are comic shop copycat and nay it ain't so. Comic shop copycat is a fun one because I it love has that one. it has um Kevin at the comic shop and uh he introduces Hiromi to Gretel. And she's kind of teasing him, and he's like, go away, go get a slushie, here's five bucks. You had me, and here's five bucks. <laughs> I love that. And then, of course, Havoc is being wreaked in the uh, parking garage by some dude with the cat costume. Oh god, the Jellicle cats are back, and they're attacking. All I well, specifically, oh. he has a, a gun that shoots hairballs, but he actually has to, like, reload it with a cat. <laughs> so, oh my god. So let's hope he never finds his way to Disneyland. Oh no. The feral cats of Disneyland. They must be protected. I just want to know if whoever wrote that, like, knows about Ladybug, because that cat guy 
just reminds me of Cat Noir from Ladybug. Like, I'm pretty sure he said me out or some yeah. sort of cat pun. I was like, this is just Cat Noir, and he's the copycat. And so he's, like, copying Cat Noir. Like, that probably wasn't intentional, but I found it very funny. I thought you were, I thought you were saying, are, are the writers familiar? I'm like, well, they could be. I don't know. They, they might be. Probably at least one person who works on the show, their child watches Ladybug. So, I don't know. That makes sense. I don't know. I know the but one episode was... of Escape from Walt Disney where they covered uh, Miraculous. Everyone was like, this is like just being thrown into the middle of a season of anime and it's very confusing and I'm scared. Mom, come pick me up. I'm scared. <laughs> I, remember, I remember watching that. Yeah, that was... Yeah. <laughs> that killed that me. Shows... It was like, okay, yeah. yeah, this is clearly not for me. It's nuts, but I love it. I love it so much. There's this, like, comic I'm following right now that's, like, an AU that's been updating every day. And, like, me and one of my friends every day, we, like, yell at each other whenever the update gets posted. So it's, it's a good <laughs> The thing time. with that one, the biggest thing that scares me is just the fandom and the shipping culture. Yeah, you kind of mm-hmm. got to find your own little pocket. I was super into that show. That's actually why I made my fan accounts was for Ladybug. And then Candace Against Universe came out, and I, like, shifted into Phineas and Ferb mode again. But... <laughs> There's a lot of fan content if you just know where to look. More yeah. so than a lot of shows. Yeah. For me, it's also, like, I, I always just think, uh, for me, I'm always, like, a rights person. I always think it's just weird how some of the rights is currently on Netflix. Some of it's on Disney. It's yeah. just so crazy. And it's out of order and in different countries. And, like, one episode will come out in French and then one's in English and then one's in, like, yeah. Portuguese. It's mm-hmm. kind of a mess. Um, but it's, yeah, it's and our it's, mess. Then it's it comes out crazy. in it's Russia, also, then New Zealand. Yeah, and it's weird to me just specifically because it's not actually a Disney property. You think right. Disney Plus, you you think like, oh, you're going to see Disney movies on Disney Plus. Not really the case anymore. There's going to be some stuff that they're licensing out now. I including, mean, in- uh, including some shows about Australian dogs I can think of. Yes, exactly, and... And very soon is going to be very Spider-Man stuff coming on to Disney+. Plus, Yeah. Which is very exciting. Um, and in the UK, you have The Walking Dead on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, that's just, wild. That's, I know. That's more wild to me than, like, Deadpool being on Disney+. Plus Because that, at least, I'm like, okay, that I can... I'm guessing it's... You know, it's like I'm that. guessing it's a Hulu thing. It's yeah, kind of a Hulu thing because, like, a lot a lot of the stuff that's on Hulu goes on Disney Plus in the UK and Japan and stuff. So, like, Prey is on Disney Plus in the UK instead of it being on Hulu. Oh, wow. But things like the Animaniacs reboot is not on Disney Plus in the UK. And that's that's only been released on DVD. Interesting. Yeah. It's very, very, it's very weird just, like, where they would put things on there. I'm wondering because I've heard that Hulu, like Hulu, is looking for the bat, that Batman Cape Crusader series. I wonder if that would have the same uh, situation. Here's the thing: nothing is stopping Disney from putting the Batman '66 movie on Disney Plus. <laughs> oh God, I want that on Disney Plus. I want to be able to see it on streaming so bad. It hasn't been on streaming in so long. That's that uh, just I mean hell even the sixty six series is fair game for Disney to put on Disney Plus series. I'm not sure where that lands right now because like when they finally put it on DVD, 
It wasn't a 20th Century Fox TV production, right? It was just the oh, movie the, that was... The, the, the TV show <laughs> was a 20th Century Television production, but they put it on DVD. The DVDs were put out by Warner Home Video, so I'm not sure if they traded the rights back or if they just have some sort of co-ownership of the rights at this point. Well, well, from my understanding, because of, like, because Batman is a Warner Brothers mm-hmm. property, if they were to release it, they, ha- they have to kind of go through Warner Brothers and be like, sure. hey... Are you okay with us releasing this? Or or I guess with Fox, since Fox owns the Batman television show rights, the, the well those that specific series rights, they Warner Bros. have to go to them and say, Can we well, release no, they'd be, this? They'd be going to Disney now. They Disney, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Aren't superhero rights just the most straightforward thing in the I, world? It's great. It's it's great. Every company almost every company owns like a certain amount of certain characters. How much of your favorite character well, does no, Disney most, own? For, for whatever reason, the, the Warner, for whatever reason, Fox always had full control over the '66 movie, even if they couldn't release the TV series on DVD. Um, really? yeah, so like they released the movie on VHS and DVD several times before they sorted out the rights for the '66 TV show being released. So. Hmm. For whatever reason, that means Disney now has full control over the Batman 66 movie. I'm sure they still have to pay, you know, a royalty to DC Comics, but they have full distribution control over it, mm-hmm. which means... That's so wild. Means That's, that, it's... There should be, like, just a Disney Plus category for superheroes, and it's just Batman 66 and The Incredibles and Sky High and Multiverse of Madness just all under the same tab. And Hamster and Gretel. Hamster and Gretel. Yeah. Oh, speaking of Batman, I really quick want to talk about, so obviously there's the Hamster and Gretel transition that's in like every episode. I love the one after the tree gets destroyed. Where they're sad. That's so funny. Yes. (laughs) That was a good use of... That, I, I saw a tweet about that. It's like, if the show ever gets canceled, that's going to be the thumbnail picture. Yes. yes, it is. Oh, my God. <laughs> or or more accurately, um, if it's anything like Milo, it'll just quietly get not renewed and not really canceled either. Yeah. But remember, don't Or it'll get just completely erased off the streaming service and no, and just all tweets deleted. Yay, tax credit. They'd have to go through and Hurrah! scroll down Pollenmeyer's TikTok, though, so I don't know if that's going to happen. Come on, Chapek's bad, but he's not they, Zaslav. Disney, they'll find a way. Yeah, Bob Chapek is not Zaslav. <laughs> Remember, don't steal from the banks. Put them on the menu. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so basically the comic shop copycat episode... Um, Kevin is trying the whole the whole episode. Um, Kevin's really trying to uh, avoid. Um, he, he he's trying to avoid looking lame in front of uh, Hiromi to the it, point where he lies about not liking the comic book he obviously likes. And at the I end, she at, at the end she's like, "Dude, it's okay. I'm a I work in a comic shop. It's my yeah. job to geek out." I, that, that was something I did find funny a little bit, like, because that's how I was with when I had my first girlfriend. I'm like, I don't really want, I didn't want to geek out fully with her, but she's also a geek, so it was like... Yeah. We are all nerds, it should be okay. 
Yeah, if someone doesn't and like even it, even like... the conventions these days, like it doesn't matter if it's your traditional fantasy sci-fi or horror, or if it's your run-of-the-mill sitcom. They'll be at a convention. Ducky Momo is still my friend. <laughs> Did we lose Dave? Yep. Oh, there we go. No, he's <laughs> still here. Um, yeah. Dave has been lost to time. Hmm. <laughs> Dave has been replaced, unfortunately, by David Zaslav. <laughs> no! His evil arch nemesis. No, we're going to get a raise for tax credits. His, his evil arch nemesis. Um... So yeah, basically, um, as they're as Gretel's fighting this um, this copycat villain, um, Kevin and Hiromi realize that um, the guy was in the comic shop. The well, Hiromi realizes that the guy was in the comic shop the other day, and that he's just copying his persona from this other villain. Um, and they they realize, oh, we can look um, for the. Um, copycat's weakness in the comic books. And eventually um, Kevin realizes, oh, his origin was in a Bullman comic, so we have to open this vintage Bullman comic. Because apparently there's no other thing they can look up to find his weakness. Like, aren't, aren't there, like, sites where... Yeah, they... I, there's got to be a wiki for all of this. Maybe the Wi-Fi <laughs> was down. Yeah, that's. Po- I that's mean, that's cycl- I mean, if we want to go on comic book logic, the comic comic companies make like these massive encyclopedia books for like beginners who come in firsthand. Uh, eventually, they find out that his weakness was water, which seems like a pretty obvious weakness when you think about it. And um, also, the other thing with this episode was that Gretel was having to fight um, Copycat alone because Hamster was watching telenovelas. Which I have to wonder did they did they plan it like that where those episodes were going to be kind of back to back but not in the same half? I wonder if that was originally supposed to go before the uh, onions episode and sort of yeah of set be. up the telenovela. I know I know they've done other things like that. Yeah. Consuela. Or maybe it's going to be a situation where they shuffle it around mid uh, mid season and they uh, add new things like they did for Milo. I can't imagine them doing that this time around, but I could be wrong. <laughs> maybe they'll add more aliens in the background, giving more people superpowers. Yes, everyone has superpowers. You get a superpower, and you get a superpower, and you and you and you, you all get superpowers. I'll get a superpower. Um. Uh, so. Um, the last episode of the bunch is Nay It Ain't So. Um, and I forget what the the villain's name was in that one. The Nay uh, Slayer? The Nay The Nay Slayer. Yes. And all of these like villains slay. have ridiculous backstories. Um, but that mm-hmm. one, that one, it's like um, he tried combining like his dna with horse dna to increase his horse power but that horse was near a nuclear power plant and the gamma radiation caused him to mutate it's so just stupid and so, i love it so like the lizard but mixed with the hulk yeah it, it's no, really it's, stupid it's, and i love it um so basically like like ju- just in terms of being like so hat on a hat in terms of power origin that was up there for me <laughs> with the uh 
intro to doof and puss being that the crime perry was framed for was the assassination of abraham lincoln <laughs> <laughs> yes oh my god so is the mutagen in, in is the mutagen in teenage mutant ninja turtles that, that much more concentrated than than radiation <laughs> that it didn't complete the job i guess so <laughs> but the thing with that episode that's fun is that um gretel has offered to the radio station um to um give away a ride along basically um and of course bailey wins the ride along also i love i love the thing that gretel says where um kevin's like it was nice of you it was nice of you to do that for the radio station and gretel's like yeah i don't know what radio is but they seem nice because it's it's not like kids are typing up the like because most a lot of radio stations are on do do actually have online presence now yeah, they do. Well, like, uh, this podcast, for example, can be heard on iHeartRadio. Um, yeah, on that app. Um, I just got accepted on that, so that's awesome. Yay! Uh, but so basically, the whole thing with that is Kevin's like, this is a bad idea, because you can't let Bailey know that you are superhero Gretel. Um, and Gretel promises to not throw any punches or anything like that and keep it very low key and they start off just rescuing a cat from a tree and i love the old lady she's like wait i don't have a cat um but then um the nayslayer is stealing apples from a from a apple vendor who just has a ridiculous amount of apples because it's not like any other farmer's market where he has other things, like other fruits to sell. It's like, nope, just apples. They they had to make they had to make it edible for all humans, so they couldn't do hay. But they couldn't they couldn't do carrots because yeah. you know kids with vegetables. <laughs> oh, and apparently um, Gretel hates peppermints, and she has to um, pretend that superhero version of herself doesn't hate peppermints which of course comes back later because I, I i genuinely think they only introduced that so that there was a reason for her to have the peppermints still oh, yeah mm-hmm. um do horses actually like peppermints is that a real thing i mean they, they do like sugar cubes so what's a little that. more processed sugar it well sugar cubes that would make sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, so basically, um, the Nayslayer is stealing all these apples from this cart, and Bailey's like, shouldn't you go stop him? He's committing a crime. Um, which is kind of the same conversation that happens when La Savoya is taking all the onions. It's like, well, wait, isn't she technically stealing all these onions? It's like, eh, I'm not touching that. <laughs> um, um, she sends Hamster to take care of it, and... At first, she tries to just talk to him, uh, and then she sends Hamster to take care of it. Hamster ends up getting captured, and she has to figure out how to save Hamster and stop him um, without throwing any punches. Also, um, the the joke that's that that I didn't even really like real like I didn't catch it on my first watch of this episode. I think this is the the only one that I've only seen like twice now. Um, he says, yeah, I need a lot of apples. It's an open farm. Yeah. 
and I'm like, oh, god damn it! <laughs> oh, that's that's really good, but really awful. Like, I love it, but I hate it. Oh, you know what they say. You you know what they say. The cider horse rules. Um, also, I love uh, I love Bailey's. Like, wow, they they post they post way you know they they post all they posted all this information about this illegal horse party on the internet. Horses spend way too much time online. <laughs> illegal horse. There's some horse in this house. There's some horse in this house. There's a horse in this house. But what about horse in a bookcase? It's a horse in a bookcase. You know what? The, the, the episode should have ended with him just in a book, uh, ending in a bookcase. Just how they defeat him just by putting him in a bookcase. Yeah. I'm here to talk to you about the Navengers initiative. <laughs> but so, of course, the, uh, the, the way that Gretel ends up defeating uh, the Slayer is through a rap battle. Or the epic rap battles of hamstery. Yes. The <laughs> epic rap battles of hamstery. But also, um, he does the thing where he's going to drop uh, hamster into acid, but he completely forgot that hamster can fly. <laughs> Wait, you mean hamster's not acid proof? Well, he's not acid proof. Or maybe he is. I don't know. We've, we've all seen the Vat of Acid episode of Rick and Morty, right? Mm-hmm. That's why I said it. <laughs> Uh, and the that whole the whole time, um, uh, Kevin's in the van, and uh, uh, the whole time Kevin is in the van, and he's not paying attention to what um Hamster Gretel are doing. Because Fred is like, "Hey, do you want to watch that anime I referenced earlier?" Because there's this anime that she likes that's like, yeah, they, um, they're they like undercover <laughs> Yeah, in the in the cheerleading episode. Yeah, that anime opening was nice. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. I like that. Definitely, I, I love shows within shows. It's definitely going for a, uh, a Sailor Moon as the broad cultural reference that they expect people to get, but I'm, I'm sure it's yeah. going for mm-hmm. a lot of specific anime. And it's... Which, although in the, in the wake of the uh, Saban Moon finding, was a very nice coincidence of timing. And it's nice that uh, now, in addition to... A big fantasy franchise and a big sci-fi franchise. There's a big anime franchise now in the tri-state area universe. Yes, <laughs> yes, we need we need more of these fictional well, franchises. Two sci-fi, two big sci-fi franchises: the Star Trek and the Doctor Who. Oh yes, Space Adventure, Space Adventure, and uh, Doctor Zone. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so yeah. overall, um, and of course, that whole episode ends with, uh, Bailey still not knowing anything about, you know, the double life kind of thing. Um, and that's kind of it where we are so far. So overall, what do we think? It, I, I, I warmed up to it really well. I, I was like, when... When this whole thing was happening, I was like, is Dan's head getting too big? But everything seemed pretty, pretty, pretty good. I'm a, I'm a very, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm a very critical asshole. Um, so I'm very much on the thing of that first episode. A lot of people, we can all agree, was very rough. It was a very, yeah. it felt very rough. Yeah, yeah, I agree. 
it was and for me it was like so rough like too rough even for me sometimes uh, like compared to like milo's pilot and Phineas and ferb's pilot I think Milo's pilot mm-hmm. especially is so tightly scripted. It's so well done. It establishes exactly, everything yeah. perfectly. Exactly, yeah. So, like, that just immediately, like, the, the roughness of this first episode, like, really turned me off because I'm like, whoa, this is Dan Pottenmeyer. I love this guy created my childhood. So, like, this kind of, uh, it kind of turned me off for a minute. Uh, two and three were I was still kind of already turned off, so it was harder for me to kind of get reconnected to stuff. Uh, four and five, I can definitely see a real improvement, and I think that the show has a lot to work on because there's a lot that I feel like just kind of wasn't for me. The animation at some points felt a little off here and there. Yeah. It had some weird moments where it's. It was a few moments where it felt like there was a. Uh, like that, like the animation was using a different program than what was normally used. Thank you, Snipple, or something. It just some parts just felt off to me. So I think there's definitely a clear uh, room for improvement. But yeah, yeah. As I as I referenced the that whole thing with the animation, basically that's the main complaint about anything Snipple has done on both this and Candace Against the Universe. And I think that 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 kind of sucks because they've done a lot of other stuff that looks really good. So I don't know why they just can't work with this art style. Apparently, it just it doesn't look as good. Well, Candace against the universe, I still felt was right. It felt like the right colors felt like still felt like consistent in its art style. Even this... even if like the 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 line art didn't look right. Yeah, I was kind of. I still my brain. Like, I don't know, for that movie, I was just, I guess, I maybe wasn't focusing as much. But I wasn't at, I didn't care as much about those differences. It's not brand but new, when, so it's established. So you, it, when it's established, you can kind of forgive animation errors more easily, I think, is the biggest yeah. thing. Yeah, and so with this, like, there were moments where it's like, the animation felt too smooth. And yeah. some moments where it felt, where it felt too jagged, too this, too that. And some moments where I just see the heads kind of move <coughs> in a weird circular ma- uh, like fashion, you know? Yeah, I can see that. Like, it, it just, the, so much of it just kind of felt off for me. I feel like the action scenes were done well. Th- yeah. that, that I will say for a fact. Get... And the turn it off song was really good. Like the, oh no, turn it on yeah. like the blender. Like, turn on your blender and everything. Oh, that was animated really well. Like, the people on stage, but then the people in the audience looked so stiff and weird. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's... Why? It's, it's I, love, I love it's anything so where there's, like, a crowd shot where it's, like, the first, like, layer of people is animated and then everything else is just, like, oh, they're all the, they're all a different color and it's just, like, we couldn't afford to animate this. So yeah. it's mm-hmm. just a crowd shot like that. Mm-hmm. What's really interesting, this is a little bit of a, of a tangent, but it has to do with Disney TV and inconsistent animation. Star versus the Forces of Evil. I don't know that you've ever we talked did, about we that. We did an episode about the, the pilot, oh. and I'm going to have to start figuring out a schedule of revisiting some of these other shows where we actually like do a multi-episode blitz kind of like this. Yeah, but I will always talk about Star. I was obsessed with that show, still am. But what's interesting is season two is animated by two studios, Rough Draft Korea and... I don't remember the other one, but one used hand-drawn and one used flash. 
And so there was this massive discrepancy from episode to episode. You'd have this hand-drawn, and then you'd have this really... And the flash got better from season two to season four. By season four, it looked a lot better. But these episodes, they would have such... It was very interesting. So because of that with Hamster and Gretel... I have hope that the animation well, will gradually it, get better with time. I'm not worried about yeah. that. So, like, I think it's something just, I actually mentioned. All of this Sorry. has been produced in such a weird time period that I think it's easy to, yeah. you know, I think it's kind of easy to forget that, you mm-hmm. know, there's weird restrictions going on still. Especially, yeah. you got to think that this stuff was all produced, you know, several months, possibly even a year in the past. Yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. So they're totally working on restrictions. So <laughs> yeah, I think things are only going to get better. Um, also, on the subject of Star vs. the Force of Evil, season one of Star vs. the Force of Evil was Mercury it's Filmworks. Crazy. And yes, for the first yeah, like, five episodes. Because apparently yeah, it was those too episodes expensive. were so good. I loved, I loved those first it few episodes. So it looked so amazing, and yeah, so it's good. a shame they didn't keep that animation because, like, mm-hmm. I love yeah. pretty much anything Mercury Filmworks has ever done. Like Ghost and Molly McGee, uh, they did um, the new Mickey Shorts, Hilda. Mm-hmm. Um, they did like they animated, some of the best animation. They did the animation on the Bob's Burgers movie, so like it, it yeah. they do fantastic work. They really do. Still weird to think they're a Fox owned studio. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, that. they were bought by Fox about I think few like a literally the same year that Disney that Disney bought all of Fox's studios. Fox no, they bought, bought Fox bought Bento Box. They didn't buy Mercury. Bento, oh wait, sorry, you said because yeah. you said Bob's Burgers. Yeah, movie. yeah, I was Bob's like, Burgers. Wait. The the Bob's Burgers movie, the animation was done by Mercury Filmworks. Oh wait, yeah, I got confused. Sorry, my bad, yeah. my bad. Yeah, Mercury Filmworks is in a... Canada. They did like, I, um, like I said, Molly McGee tangled the series. Hilda, mm-hmm. sorry, uh, I Mi- am Mickey Mouse. My brain is dead. They they did the animation for Runaway Railway. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, they do delightful. some of the best animation I have seen. They in, do. Like, they are fantastic in years. Mm-hmm. It's because like it's it's I feel spoiled whenever they are handling a project or mm-hmm. animating a project. Like same thing with Rise of the TMNT. Like when I see this and those animate those that specific animation studio, and then I'm watching another animated show, I'm like, man, some of this feels so stiff. And I know like some that some artist is like painstakingly drawing these, and then I see like something from like from for like the season one of Star, like pilot of Star, and like or like Rise of the TMNT, and I'm like. I always feel like I'm a spoiled brat because I like look at those other anime animated shows and like think of how stiff they kind of feel. But like I know that there's an artist working so hard on it. Am I making sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. I I agree with you. So just the the those uh, I think the biggest thing is that because Mercury Filmworks is in Canada, they just don't have that same language barrier you have to deal with. With mm-hmm. a lot of the overseas studios where it's like it's in Korea or it's in China or Taiwan, you know. I, I still I still have a I, I remember when Legend of Korra season two was airing and how um harshly the the an- or like the, the art style or, or the animation was like how harshly it was being judged because 
to change studios and some of the episodes were from the familiar studio but that like the the change the differences were so apparent and it did not help yeah legend of Korra go the way it went it it we're spending a while talking about animation studios, but I think that's that that is just inherently a part of this discussion <laughs> because of the circumstances yeah. under which the show has been produced and the the resulting <laughs> fan reaction. We have to talk about it. Um but other than that, I think I I think this show has so much potential and I'm really excited to see where it goes. I think there's I I, I think uh at first when I heard the premise, I'm kinda like well, are they going to be a little too limited with what they can do with that? But no, you can. They can still do basically whatever they want with it. It's it's still it's still ultimately yeah. just a framework to have you know silly silly gags and cool and you know cool action and um and great music. And I really like the characters, and I think that's the most important thing. Is that it, if we don't like the characters, yeah. you're kind of dead in the water because anything else doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think for me, my only like my only issue uh, going forward is something we spoke about earlier. In that the colors, that's because ba- uh, like I feel like the colors just don't complement each other. That's about ba- that's mainly about it. If you, if anyone wants to add to that, yes. Yeah, I mean, I have my general thoughts, but I can like mm-hmm. save them for different time but yeah i i do think i've gotten used to it but it definitely doesn't have i guess i think the same cohesive color scheme that a show like star or like the owl house yeah. or maybe Phoenix and Burma. like is there a saturation like, thing going on too yeah i think yeah there's a little bit of a saturation thing with it too and the thing is like with superhero costumes it's always about complementary colors uh, with Spider-Man, it's red and blue because red and blue can contrast really well. Yeah. The Hulk, it's green and purple. Iron Man, uh, it's ye- a red and it's red and, red ye- and yellow. Uh, yellow because it like the they're like right next to each other, so it flows really well. All these characters kind of comp those colors complement each other. Pink really doesn't have pink and yellow really don't complement each other super well. If it was a because Hamster's co- uh, colors is yellow, Gretel's is pink. I think if Gretel was more purplish, like really more more deeper purple, I think it would have complemented each other a little bit more. Yeah, I can see that. Mm-hmm. Costumes were also gifted to them by aliens who might not have the same color receptors that we do. That's true. Fair. And certainly not the same fashion sense. Well, maybe <laughs> not the same fashion sense. Maybe maybe they just have better fashion sense. Who knows? Yeah, that could be true. <laughs> he could um, be the primitive but, ones. Yes, but overall, <laughs> I like this show, and I'm excited to see where it goes. I, I I'm liking it. I just hope that it. Uh, I, there's definitely areas I think it can improve. Oh yeah, I think yeah. I think absolutely there are things they could improve on. But I think all the people that were worried it was going to be, like, a really bad show, I'm like, yeah, no, that's, that, that's crazy. Like, Dan and, the, yeah. and all the other people that are working on this show, they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. These are still the same 
Emmy winning writers and directors and songwriters that we've had for all these other shows, you know, the, you know, for Phineas and for Milo and, you know, even going back before that. I'm yeah, yeah. I enjoyed the episodes that are on Disney plus so far. And I look forward to kind of forgetting about them until a year from now when the rest of the season goes on Disney plus and then having to rewatch <laughs> these episodes again to remember what happened. <laughs> Well, basically, if you haven't been keeping yeah. up, what they've been doing recently and the way that I've been doing this is they drop episodes five at a time now. So basically, instead of waiting until the whole season of 20 episodes sure. um, is finished airing, they drop um, the first five. What They did the same thing um, with this, with this first five that they did with Molly McGee, where like the second episode had aired right after the first. And then they had the whole um, first five episodes on Disney Plus the following Wednesday. And then after that, it's once episode um, 10 is done airing, then they'll put episodes 6 through 10 on there and so on. Yeah, I'm really glad they're starting to do that. And uh, they also basically gave Hamster and Gretel the same slot they did Phineas and Ferb, premiering after the latest decom in August. Yeah, yeah, and um, uh, the- I do believe Ghost and Wally McGee was the same way. It was after um, the Under Wraps. Right, but Recall. this was specifically the uh, in oh, August. Yeah. It, it was basically the same same week e- equivalent yeah. to High School Musical, uh, High School Musical Two. So. Yes, Kind of a nice yeah. parallel. But my point is, knowing my life, after the next five episodes, I'm not going to have time to watch anymore until the mid-season <laughs> break because I don't have time to consume That's television. True. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. But you're not going to have to wait until the whole season is on Disney Plus because it'll be out much No, that's just the that. next time my schedule will align to allow me to watch such a thing. Hooray! Huzzah! Huzzah! Scheduling. All right, speaking of schedules aligning, and not really schedules, but uh, other things we have going on in our lives, guess what time it is? It's plugorific! It's plug time! And I gotta go to bed soon, so let's get this over with. <laughs> uh, you guys can follow me at ironninja 2000 on Twitter, uh, as well as Instagram. I have a podcast, The Crossover Nexus, where we cr- catalog over 145 ep- crossover specials, movies, episodes, all coexisting within one universe known as the Tommy Westfall universe. You can follow that, uh, the Twitter on that at crossover underscore Nexus. And you can follow us on Spotify, Apple podcast, iHeartRadio, anywhere you can get a podcast. Probably it's probably on there. You can go subscribe to my YouTube channel at iron ninja 2000, where I have several reviews on things I enjoy. Um, and, uh, again, uh, for the actually, I will, uh, will quickly plug the most recent episode of the crossover Nexus where we cover the Simpsons guy crossover with Family Guy and Simpsons. And very soon we should be having the release of uh, Jesse's Aloha Holiday with Parker and Joey featuring uh, Chandler of... of uh, I'm still screaming of from that episode. Uh, acronym. Uh, and Charlie Marlowe and Ella of Mystery Shack Look Back. Woo! That, that was, really, yeah, that was a really fun wonderful episode individuals. to record. That was a very fun episode to record. I never want to watch another episode of that awful show ever again. I'm going to bring you on for every single Jesse episode no! crossover we have. <laughs> every single one now. No, there, I are mean, six, I, there are six others six that them. I have. Why are there six of them? That's... No, but for real, I'd, I'd be very happy to be on those because even if the show sucks, it's a lot of fun to do that podcast. 
Yeah, it's a lot. It's a fucking rabbit hole. I have my conspiracy board right here. Yes, the conspiracy Every- board. It is a this. I spent like a whole month making this. I think. Are we basically done with plugs now? Yeah. All right. I'm still writing for Culture Suede. I I wrote uh, 13 articles in the past uh, 11 days, or at least published 13 articles in the last 11 days, um, including about how Ryu and Chun-Li's Ranger forms are now in the Street Fighter Power Rangers Lightning Collection subset in the Hasbro Collector Figures line. And also, Spider-Man Blue is getting a special edition, special gallery edition hardcover. And this week has... Um, and the week started with the reveal of when the second half of Power Rangers Dino Fury Season 2 will be airing on Netflix, which will be in about a month. All 11 episodes of this back half of the second half of this team. And I'll be reviewing at least the Rick and Morty season premiere. I I don't know if I'll be doing the whole season, but I know I at least got the premiere secured. And I'll probably be reporting on whatever season 30 of Power Rangers turns out to be, because I haven't announced it this year yet. And this weekend is the biggest Power Rangers, is the big Power Rangers convention, Power Morphicon, which is, um, so I'm, I'm obviously not there, but I'll be reporting on it, but Whatever TV news comes out of it, I'll be reporting for it for Culture Sweet. My, my Twitter handle is at the Nick Fan Club. My Instagram is ScottSander94. And I've got podcast appearances on, on here and The Emperor's New Podcast. Oh, and I'm also a contributor for What's on Paramount Plus, which is now what, at What's on P Plus on Twitter. So I'm Cadence. I'm. Uh, Authenticadence18 on Twitter, and I'm Authenticadence18. It's a music pun, an Authenticadence. Um, I am on Twitter. Uh, you know that. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Tumblr. I'm on TikTok. I'm on AO3. I write art. I draw art. I write fan fiction. I collab a lot with Musical Radical Acronym. I've helped them write lots of songs and drawn art for them. Dream Driver's License is sung by Buford. It is one of my um, most prized co-creations. Um, yes, that was amazing. Oh my gosh, that was so good. I love that. I'm Doggins on Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, uh, Doggins87 on Instagram. Uh, and I'm David at Nosberry Farm, sometimes standing next to characters. So I will right. take the picture of you and Snoopy. That's also David standing next to Snoopy. You can follow me on Twitter at Starport97 and at the YouTube channel Starport97, as well as this podcast at Podcast Acronym. If you like this and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe. 
I'm on all the usual places. Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and I'm now available on iHeartRadio and Audible. Leave us a review, give us five stars, and share us with your friends. I've got a handful of episodes of my flagship show, Theme Park Backlot, on my YouTube channel. I also visited a whole bunch of parks across the Midwest last summer, and I'm slowly working on getting those vlogs finished. In fact, the video about Holiday World will be releasing tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. And I will definitely be making more videos about my more recent trips that I've taken, but I have to get through the backlog of old stuff I haven't edited yet first before I do those. Some of those parks are actually parks that I also visited last year, so... If you want to support me even more, be sure to check out my new and improved Patreon! That's right, I actually have a Patreon again. Patreon.com slash Starport97. Just a dollar a month gets you early access to new episodes of this podcast one day early, and new videos at least one week early. Sometimes more if I haven't finished the next one quite on time. And be sure to join us next week when we cover LEGO Star Wars Summer Vacation, right here on the podcast without a cool acronym. It's not the robot VA that brings us together. It's not just the meal. It's not about what's it's on not the steak plate. or the onions, paprika or peppers. It's, it's about how we feel and the memories that we create. Like when Dada wants a caca all over the kitchen. Tia Melissa exploded the chicken. Or I dropped that plate full of hot empanadas and made a Jackson Pollock on Mom's terracotta. Through all these disasters, we've not been persuaded to lose the traditions that we're celebrating. Tradition, it's the time spent with family. And that's what we've learned as tradition.